Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno da Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go. All right, thank you so much for being here with me today, Kyle. I appreciate your time, man. Can you tell a little bit first your background? Who is Kyle Brown? So my background, I've worked uh, in the fitness industry for quite a long time, professionally since about 2001, but I've been involved with it my whole life, fortunately. My dad got me into exercise and fitness and weightlifting since uh, I was about six years old. And I've been utilizing a lot of that really as ways to combat uh, things like depression, anxiety, stress, uh, mm-hmm. any, any of those types of issues. And I've been really heavily involved with it. So I've worked as a celebrity fitness and nutrition coach professionally since about 2003, working with about 50 rock stars, rap stars, actresses, actors, a lot of professional Olympic athletes. And uh, since then, I went on and became a clinical nutritionist and been paleo for about 15 years. And mm-hmm. what I spend uh, the majority of my time working on is uh, our Fit 365 shakes, which we've had out right. for about the last 11 years uh, as a grass-fed whey meal replacement shake. Right. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about this later on. But we, you say like you've been paid on now. What do, you, what do you mean exactly when you say, oh, I've been paid on now for this amount of years? Oh, so I've been eating very close to uh, paleolithic uh, style of nutrition, uh, making it work for my own busy on-the-go 21st century lifestyle as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and, uh, and a father and also somebody who doesn't like hunting buffalo at 7 in the morning. So, <laughs> But I've been, I've been following a paleolithic style diet uh, since back when people thought it was crazy way before it became right. uh, a health sensation. Right, got you, got you. So you said also, man, that you're a celebrity fitness and nutritional coach, right? So let's talk first here about the behind the scenes. How did you start really working with celebrity? How did you, like, how did you, did you get into this business, man? So I'd been training for a few years beforehand, and I actually ended up training this publicist who had referred me over to a rock star back in about 2001, who's a multi-platinum recording artist, and when we started this process, it was a very different day and age. So celebrities back then never wanted their personal lives public. There wasn't social media, and yeah. you know there was MySpace, but uh, personal lives were very private. So everything was all about signing non-disclosure agreements, training people either in their home or sneaking into hotels like the Montage and. Beverly Hills, yeah, I probably owe them some rent <laughs> for all years that I trained celebrities in places like that. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a very private act, but there was, uh, it was a pretty cool process. So that's kind of how I got started. And then I, was, I live in San Diego, which can be anywhere from two hours to four hours pending traffic from L.A. 
but I've okay. a pretty great reputation of doing uh, this style of training out there. So I'd been going back and forth and commuting for quite a few years. Oh, so you were like living in San Diego and just commuting all the way to LA, like just to work? Exactly. Every so I would get up, wow. I'd leave around 3.34 in the morning, go wow. up there about you know two to three days a week pending, uh, sometimes even more. And I would go work out at Gold's Venice and then start training clients in the morning, beat the traffic and head back either before traffic or after yeah. traffic, which if uh, anyone knows L.A., the answer is it's kind of always a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Last year, I lived in San Diego for four months, I told you uh, the other day, and I drove, I think, twice to, to L.A., and man, I can only imagine like doing that every single day. The view is amazing, it's, it's beautiful, but... I don't know how, how we can do that. That's a lot of passion, man. Uh, so let's talk here about the biggest difference, man, between working with a celebrity and, let's say, like an ordinary person, right? Well, I would definitely say uh, celebrities are ordinary people. Uh, the biggest difference in general is uh, self-limiting beliefs. Uh, mm. A lot of people say, I want to be a musician or a rock star. Or I want to be an actor. Or I want to be a, you know, somebody in the limelight, but a lot of times they say, well, that can't be me. And mm -hmm. what I really notice with a lot of the rock stars and rap stars and actors that I'd worked with was this belief in themselves that I can do this just like anybody else has done it. And then they never really waver. They just keep pushing and pushing, and pushing to make that happen. And again, some door opens, some opportunity happens, and they get to that level. But mm -hmm. the biggest difference when it comes down to the fitness and training and nutrition is they have very clear-cut goals as far as their looks affect their income. Their mm -hmm. fitness level affects their income. And it's constantly living under a microscope. So there's definitely a lot more fear-based around getting out of shape around losing their youthfulness and so that vested what's in it for me from the client is so much higher in general because it's really clear what's on the line yeah, yeah absolutely and i was that was my actually my next question is like what's the biggest difference in, in terms of the way they act and the way they think it's so it's more into the mental side right uh 100 i think the mental side of of how you view the importance of, of your strong body and healthy mind and getting into that standpoint is it's pretty crystal clear with somebody who knows that all eyes are on them. A lot of time that's based on the fear of criticism. Um, a lot of them have to, especially I deal a lot with females, so a lot of them have had to do things like red carpet events and mm -hmm. knowing that they're going to get constantly scrutinized by the way they look. And again, it's beautiful because you can take these same sort of uh, techniques and pull them into anybody. It's really about setting really clear goals and expectations for what do you really want, why do you want it, what are the benefits of reaching this goal, and what are the detriments if you don't. So many people, um, typically when they come to me, it's just, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds, I want to lose 30 pounds, I want to lose 50 pounds. They don't have a really deep understanding of why. They don't have a really clear vision of what it's costing them not to be in that shape. And I feel like if somebody's coming to me from a celebrity background, 
it's really crystal clear about what they need, why they need it, and the timeline for getting there. Mm-hmm, got you. And were they coming to you or are, they, are you still working for them, I guess? Uh, for like, okay, Kyle, I need this to lose this 30 or let's say 10 pounds on the next month. Or it was more like also long-term approach. Oh, Kyle, you know, I know I, I need to lose weight or, or whatever it is that I, I want to accomplish. But I also want to keep this for the rest of my life. How was the approach and how did you handle these kind of things? Because when I work with people, I'm really interested on making sure that the, the results we're going to get is for the rest of their lives, not just for the next month, right? So how did you handle this difference of between the goals for short-term and long-term? I feel like when somebody comes to you for any kind of transformation, they're focused on an immediate pain, a pain of not being happy with the way they look, a pain of being fearful of maybe they won't be able to get the date that they want, maybe they won't be able to get the job they want, maybe they won't be able to feel good enough to look a particular way in a swimsuit, um, to go on, you know, going on a vacation, going to a reunion. I feel like there's an immediate urgent pain point that sparks them. So what I usually try to do is get them focused and highlight that pain point so that they can take action within days of starting to take that action. I sculpt the program and I sculpt their mindset uh, and their vision around how do you not be one of those people who puts the weight back on? How do you become somebody who does truly make this a lifestyle? You know, our Companies called Fit 365 for a reason. It's really about mm. developing a way and approach to health and fitness where you view things through a completely different light and it just becomes part of who you are. Mm. Okay. And when, when you were working with these people, were they like more like, give me the plan, Kyle, just give me what to do, like I, do the, I take the action, or they, what, they also want to like change together with, with you? Like, oh no, I have this lifestyle. I like to do things this way. You know, I like my way. How was the diff- like, uh, difference between people? I'm sure that everybody is very, very unique there, especially in that industry, right? But how, what did you see like most frequently? Um, I think you have to be a chameleon and you really yeah. have to make everything work for them. If you go up to somebody who is a busy mom and you tell her, hey, um, we need to completely reroute the way you do things and you don't take into account that she's got little kids and and hours that they need to do stuff. Plus then if she's a working mom, how do you make everything work? You know, that's definitely a big issue. On top of that, if you're then now looking at a celebrity client and you're saying, okay, I know you have all these incredible demands, but hey, just, just follow this plan and you need to get eight hours of sleep and you need to, uh, you know, be in bed by 10, they're going to laugh at you. Because I I have some clients, I (laughs) had these rock stars, I was doing their program, and typically when you design somebody's nutrition, you're like, okay, well, we're going to have breakfast at typically 7 o'clock. Well, a lot of these musicians (laughs) and these creative types, they're not going to bed until 3, 4, 5 in the morning. So breakfast may not be until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and they're almost uh, on a completely different cycle. So you have to reroute everything and you have to customize it for them because a lot of them get their creative inspirations kind of between the hours of, you know, midnight mm-hmm. and 4 a.m. when the rest of the yeah, world is asleep. So it's all about making it work for the individual. 
Yes, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And what is the biggest like difference between off season and somebody who was like preparing for like a let's say a red carpet, like you mentioned before, or a photo shoot? Um, I feel like with celebrities in general, they don't get an off season. So no. they, they <laughs> their ability to flex up and down is much smaller than uh, an athlete. Right, athletes do periodization. So if I'm working with a professional yeah. Olympic athlete, we'll set everything up from gaining phases to losing phases. Um, actors get, hey, we want you to do this role, and this is the shape and the way you're going to need to look. So we need to completely transform your body. And then uh, for a female, typically they're under the eye all the time. So there's that constant fear of not looking a particular way. Now, again, a lot of them are just so self-confident uh, that they just do that and understand that that's just part of who they are, but it can affect their ability to get a job, and they're always either in a role or auditioning for roles. So there really isn't an off-season. There's a fluctuation between being ready for uh, red carpet, but their ability to flux is not the same. There's always public eye and scrutiny, and mm. they know that magazines may catch them out on vacation up 10 pounds and and my god they'll circle the fat with with uh, right. markers and put them up on uh you know, gossip sites and it's it's kind of sad and quite pathetic in my eyes that that's able to be done legally um and they'll be mm -hmm. like oh you know so-and-so's having a huge crisis because they gained four pounds by eating an extra celery stock yeah <laughs> cool so man, you you've you've been inside this this business. You, you've seen you've worked with them, and a lot of people look at the covers of magazine and reality shows and TV and all those uh, TV programs, TV shows nowadays, and they consider them to be our role models, right? So do you think they should be considered a role model for health? Like, how do you see this? Because you know they put on the magazine. There is of course this whole preparation. There is Photoshop and all these things. And then they, oh, I want to be like this person on the magazine, Bruno. Give me that. Uh, I don't think that they should be our role models for health and fitness and happiness. I think we need to be our own role models for health and fitness and happiness. I think everybody looks w from somebody from out and says, oh, I want to have her legs and her butt. And, yeah. and then I want this other girl's you know, uh, shoulders. And then I want her back. And uh, we aren't Mrs. Potato Head here. <laughs> it just doesn't work mm -hmm. that way. Plastic surgeons yeah. can do the best that they can in sculpting, and then fitness professionals can do the best they can in sculpting. But I think what we really need to do is really kind of focus on changing ourselves from a victim mindset and a genetic predisposition mindset to uh, going from victim to role model. And we need to be role mm -hmm. models for everybody around us uh, especially if you have kids. I think that so many people, they don't realize the impact that they have through their actions that are so much bigger than their words. And everyone's sitting there pointing fingers and telling their kids what to do and what to eat and how to act. And the kids are like sponges just watching you, seeing what you're doing and making those decisions based off of your actions. And, mm -hmm. uh, no, I, yeah, absolutely. I don't put it on the celebrity. I put it on on ourselves. So we're supposed to be our own role models. 
Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, man. So, Kyle, you have like a female-focused coaching business, right? Why, why is that? Why do you, do you think you went more towards working with women? Oh, that's a great question. So, um, I think what really brought me there, like heavily pushing my passion towards the female audience, was uh, I have an almost five-year-old daughter and mm-hmm. really changed, you know, being a, a dad to a daughter really changed my perspective on women in general and also on understanding the obstacles that they have towards uh, self-esteem, towards the pressure that they have on their bodies, the pressure they have on being able to succeed given so many different uh, uh, obstacles to success and then gender roles. And I just know for myself, I want my daughter, like I, I started really watching how little kids are And I see how fearless and confident and explorative she is now. And what happens that really pushes people into a place of being subservient and feeling like they're not good enough and having issues and so many body issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I think for myself, I'm I'm a little bit more of an emotionally attuned guy uh, who really likes to dig into people's brains and bring out the best versions of themselves so just sitting around and only talking sports and sort of moving through the weights uh the weight workouts it's it's okay it's not as gratifying as uh the typical relationship i'll have with a female client who's willing to really uh dig deep on their emotions and really understand how important that is to making this a lifestyle rather than a diet um yeah absolutely i Yeah, I feel feel the same way. (laughs) Awesome, man. Hey, what's up, guys? Brunda Gama here, Brazilian Health Nut. And let's take a little break from the show because I want to offer you something very, very special, okay? So if you go to BrazilianHealthNut.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, you find a place that you can claim your free strategy call with me. Or you can just send me an email at Bruno at BrazilianHealthNut.com and tell me that you want to schedule your free call, okay? During this call, we are going to develop a strategy that works for your kind of body and lifestyle because remember that we all different. So go ahead and do that now because spots are limited, okay? So now let's get back to the show. So Kyle, what's like the biggest difference in your opinion between when you are working with a, like a female comparing to a male? What we should have to keep in mind? Great question. I, I think that women can do anything men can do. Um, I feel like all too often we tend to take it too easy on a female client. Oh, I can't have her do a push-up. Oh, I can't have her lift heavy weights. Oh, I can't do this. I think there's that initial obstacle for a lot of women of getting over the fear that they're going to get bulky by lifting heavy weights. And then I always have to show them pictures of models playmates, female actresses that I've worked with that are focused on getting stronger um, without losing their feminine physique. Uh, femininity is, is essential when you're customizing programs. Um, but it's amazing to me how many times women go into programs and women-only programs and women-focused programs, and they're lifting weights that are lighter than my 95-year-old grandma will lift. And I'm like, you can grab a 20-pound kid, you can hike him up on your hip 
while you go walk mm-hmm. and while you're sitting here answering the phone and grabbing groceries, but you're afraid that a little five pound dumbbell is too heavy. It's, it's mind blowing. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think the biggest thing when you're training females is understanding that, especially if you're a guy working with females, a lot of females have definite trust issues with men, rightfully so. And right. so much about it is about, about the fitness process is earning the trust and respect, uh, of the client and knowing that you can take them from where they are to where they want to be and really bring out the best in them. True. Any particularity in terms of the nutritional protocol? Because, okay, we are the same, but there is some difference in terms of hormonal responses, right? Do you take those things into consideration as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, There's definitely a difference between, you know, that levels of anabolic muscle building hormones kind of uh t- what you can get away with if you you know a lot of times a female get really upset you know my husband can eat one less pizza pizza and drop 20 pounds but it takes me six months <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think uh yeah it's it's there's there's a margin of error when it comes into nutrition that is significantly less for a standard you know five foot four 145 pound woman who wants to be 115 than there is from a six foot three guy who can lose 20 pounds just by, you know, being semi-conscious of his food. So there's a huge difference there. And then with females, I think it's really important to get as much of that anabolic um, response. So lots of big muscle groups, really making sure that they're able to lift a little bit heavier weight so they can get that sculpting uh, that they want, which, you know, sculpting is just a really nice, safe word to say, the ability to build a little bit more muscle and drop more fat, which a lot of them right. are petrified of the building of muscle. They don't understand that what they want as far as that lean feminine body is going to require typically a little bit more muscle on their body and all bit less fat on their body to sculpt the body that they want. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that, well, okay, I go to the gym here in New York City and, <clears throat> sorry, most of the time I'm always like just observing people. Of course, I'm working now, but I'm also taking a look on uh, what people are doing, the way they are behaving, because I love just learning from, from people, right? And very, very common, man. Most the, the girls, they are just on the treadmill, and most of the guys, they are lifting weights. Why do you think it's still the great majority of people behave this way? You know, I feel that's because people think that fitness is easy, and it's all about calories in versus calories mm. out, and there's no calorie counter when you're lifting weights. On that nice little machine, that hamster wheel that they hop on for hours, it tells them exactly how much work they've done and how many calories they've burnt. Yet they have no idea how many calories they've actually ingested during the course of the day. And they really have no idea how many calories they burned during the course of the day. And more importantly, they don't understand that counting calories is a joke. And no other animal in the animal kingdom counts calories, yet we're the only one with a weight problem. So I think mm-hmm. it's time that they break up with that hamster wheel and they understand that their body is going to respond so much better. The most powerful thing in the human body is hormones, and bodybuilders understand that best, and they're the best at body transformation, male or female. Uh, And I think that there's just this 
fear of getting bulky. I think there's this sweat factor and heart rate factor that they get from cardio that they feel like that's what's going to get them the results. And then there's also the classes. And so many of those classes are all about entertainment and exhaustion. And you feel like, okay, if I'm entertained, I'm exhausted and my muscles are sore, I'm going to get the results I want. And that's not the way fitness works either, right? It's, it's kind of like saying, okay, I need to drive from San Diego to New York. So if I just put my pedal to the metal and I drive all erratically, somehow I'm going to get there. It doesn't work that way. You need a map. You need a guideline. You need a plan. You need to know when you're going to get from point A to point B. You need to know when you're going to stop and get gas. You need to be fueled. You need air in your tires. And it's obvious if you're driving from San Diego to New York. But for some reason, it's not obvious when you're trying to transform your body. They don't pay uh, homage and respect to people like Michelangelo who understand the sculpture side behind it all. And uh, they just feel like it's something that's like, okay, well, if I get on this hamster wheel for hours and hours every day, I won't weigh much. And the other problem is the difference between a typical man and a woman, again, this is being very typical, is that hopping on the scale to judge success, uh, success, which is the biggest problem with everybody's program. Mm, yeah, don't let's not even start talking about that. That could be the whole show, just talking about calories, counting, exercise more to lose weight, and the weight on the scale. Uh, that's that's another show. Exactly. So, have you have you seen anything in terms of working with women in terms of the macronutrients, fats, protein, and carbohydrates? Anything that you've seen like a pattern that works best best for most women? Like, let's say, high fat moderate protein, lower carb, or higher carb, or it's very down to the individual level? Well, I'll tell you, I guess, where I see the big mistake. Uh, A lot of these women tend to make a typical mistake over and over and over again, which is because they're so calorie-phobic, they will cut their calories down to next to nothing, and they will do that by going, okay, well, I know I need more protein, so I'm going to eat my fat-free chicken breast. And I know I need some fiber and I'm going to go with all these green salad vegetables because I'm sugar phobic and I'm starch phobic. So I'm going to go with my vibrant, colorful salads that are really low calorie and I'm going to have my chicken and I'm going to top it with a raspberry vinaigrette that's fat free. And so Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is I notice so many of these women, the reason why they don't keep it a lifestyle is that they walk around starving and they starve themselves with organic salads and either not enough protein because they're trying to now go trendy vegan um, or vegetarian or not enough dietary fat so they're not satiated and satisfied. And then when they're going with their green salads, they're also fiber deficient. So they get backed up and they don't go to the bathroom for two, three days and they think that that's normal. And all that they're doing is kind of creating a really unhealthy, toxic uh, system. So I think that mm-hmm. across the board, they may start dropping some weight, but their energy levels are terrible. They're wired from the caffeine that they're drinking two or three coffees a day as an appetite suppressant, but their energy is really deficient. They're starving because they're not getting enough dietary fat for satiation, and they're not really full because they're not getting enough fiber. And their ability to sustain that way of eating is really low. So I really like to take a look at the fat content. I like to take a look at the fiber content and see what can we do to bump it up. And uh, 
protein deficiency, I think, uh, is less of a problem now than it used to be. But for a lot of women, it's still really high because they think all protein is the same. It's yeah. just not true. Yes. They, it's different. The difference into the bioavailability um, between the, the food, yes. is they don't take that into the consideration. They don't know what that even means. Yeah, that's that's exactly. the unfortunate thing. They just look at the, at the labels and they say, okay, well, there's protein in this peanut butter protein bar that I'm eating right now. And uh, the protein from peanuts is, um, shouldn't even be counted. Mm-hmm. Got you. Thank you, man. So my last, last question here on this topic is, what is the biggest difference between the women who succeed and the ones that you see that they don't really, they get some success in the beginning, but they gain back all the weight, or let's, let's put it this way. <laughs> empowerment, 100%. Empower. It's all about empowerment. When the woman feels empowered that she can walk into any environment and knows how to make the right choices, knows what's in it for her, has an incredibly strong belief in herself that, there's, that she deserves it, and that her actions make her a role model to those around her, those who are talking to her about how great she looks, and also those who are just watching her, she'll succeed. And if she knows she can walk into any environment and make the right choices, so that if she's stuck with her kids and doesn't have time to sit down and cook a gourmet meal, or if she's out at a social gathering and knows exactly what to do to make the right choices, that to me is the biggest difference. The ones who say, just tell me how I can lose this weight, lose this weight, lose this weight. Those are the ones who never succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's talk about meal replacements and protein shakes. I know that you have your own, so that's going to be awesome because you are the guy here who can really share with us what's going on into this world, which can be another podcast just to talk about this thing here right now, right? So what we should be taking into consideration when buying Something like that, like a protein shake or meal replacements. Well, I think that uh, protein shakes in general are not created anywhere near the same. We started with Fit365 formulation back in 2003 uh, because most protein shakes taste disgusting. Uh, they're yeah. chocked full of garbage ingredients. And if they taste anything okay like a Snickers bar, it's because they have Snickers bar ingredients in there plus a little bit of protein. Same thing with bars. <laughs> And for me, being somebody who's paleo-ish, paleo-friendly, uh, likes to eat lean meats, vegetables, fruits, nuts and seeds, and healthy oils, breakfast, I think, is the place where most people mess up. They tend to eat mm. soft and doughy foods that make them soft and doughy, or they tend to just not eat, and their metabolism just goes to garbage. So breakfast and then when they can't get access to a meal and post-workout recovery are all great times for protein shakes. Now, the nice mm. thing about protein shakes is, one, you're getting in extra water, and I think that most people are really water deficient. And two, um, you know, we wanted to make sure, again, for sustainability, your food needs to taste great. <laughs> and so we yeah. were able to make a protein shake that tastes like a milkshake. And the way we did that was we took those two years and we took a demo group that were half kids and half adults uh, because kids aren't going to lie. They're going to lie about everything except for they're not going to lie about taste on something. If they don't like it, they won't drink it. Yeah. So we made sure, okay, it's got to be a complete meal. So you've got the healthy protein, you've got the healthy fiber, you've got the healthy fats, and then all the good stuff for healing your gut biome. We've got full-spectrum digestive enzyme blend, 
We've got five billion of the highest quality probiotics and so much. Wow. That's all into the pharma? Oh, yeah. And we did that. Oh, now, bring wow. that back awesome. to 2005, nobody knew what grass-fed yeah. whey protein was. People thought right. coconut oil was bad for you. So I had to yeah. sit there with research studies at the trade shows trying to explain to trainers why coconut oil was not bad for you. Um, explaining to them what digestive enzymes were, explaining to them uh, colostrum is in our shake, for example. Why do we have grass-fed colostrum in there? And it's because it's one of the most incredible things you can put in your body for your immune system and also for elevating your natural growth hormone levels, which is the fountain of youth. So yeah. it's incredible um, how some of these things are now becoming trendy and uh, it makes my job so much easier where I'm not in a defense mode when I'm just things. Right. You know, we've had pink salt in my shake from the beginning. Everyone's like, pink salt, what's that? Now it's got its own row in Whole Foods, which is great. Yeah, now there is a whole podcast just talking about pink salt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. The Pink Salt Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is probably one if you guys Google I'm that. Sure. I'm sure there is I'm sure there is an episode just about pink salt. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So if I put let's say Two brands, two different brands. Let's put your own brand like with uh, on a package compared to another one. How do people know? Because here's the thing, and I'm sure you are aware of that. Marketers are super, super smart. They put all this shiny and amazing copywriting on the back, on the on the front end of the the package, and then people just look at those things and they don't have much information and they go and they buy. So how? Can an ordinary person, like a consumer, go to whatever they are going to buy their protein shake, decide and pick the right, the, the right one? You know, that's a great question. Unfortunately, anybody can say the words delicious on the outside yeah. of their shake. I'm kind of, I've tried so many shakes, obviously. I've been drinking protein shakes since seventh grade when I was trying to get big muscles for basketball because we had to wear sleeveless shirts. So I've been drinking these things since, mm -hmm. uh, you know. 1990. And yeah. what I've noticed is that it's really a huge problem trying to figure out what do I need to look for. So what I like to tell people to do is this. I want them to look for things that aren't in their shake. First, what is your protein source? We use grass-fed whey protein um, that's really good quality, uh, South Australian. So you want to first look and make sure that uh, you're going with – if a whey protein shake that is grass-fed. If you are a vegan, then you're going to want to look for things like hemp. You're going to want to obviously keep away from soy because it's just awful for your health, and we could do five shows on that. Right. Oh, yeah. And then <laughs> the next thing you're going to want to look in there is you're going to want to look for a few uh, things on what is it sweetened with. So a couple of the good healthy choices for sweeteners are um, monk fruit, which when we started, we had to call it Lohanguo, which is the Chinese name for it. Um, yeah. Monk fruit is a totally healthy natural sweetener. It's been tested forever. The next thing you're going to look for, erythritol. We used an organic non-GMO erythritol, which is a great natural sweetener. It's been tested again since the uh, 1900s, used since the 1800s in food. And it actually, is this one an alcohol sugar? So yeah, it is a sugar alcohol that's extracted from fruits and vegetables. It's the worst mm -hmm. name in the entire uh, English language, sugar alcohol. Because it's like, yes. oh, I don't want sugar. I don't want alcohol. But sugar alcohol is just fine. If you right. eat vegetables, <laughs> I'm going to be super clear on this one. If you eat fruits and vegetables, you eat sugar alcohols every single day. There is nothing wrong with sugar alcohols. 
there's everything wrong with sugar and alcohol. They are two completely different things, just like dietary fat and body fat need separate names. So we need some changes in the English language besides adding words like bootylicious into the dictionary. So we need to make some nice changes, and that's one of them. But uh, erythritol is great. Xylitol sweetened shakes um, are totally fine. You just want to be careful that you don't get the digestive enzyme things. And then sweeteners that you want to avoid. One is sucralose. So sucralose is actually a made-up word that sounds like sucrose, which is sugar. Sucralose is basically Splenda-based products, which you want to avoid like the plague. Um, aspartame or a sulfamine potassium. Um, those are the three main sweeteners you definitely want to avoid. Stevia. If you drink a protein shake that has stevia in it as the sweetener, and you don't taste the bitter aftertaste, you probably want to avoid it. Mm. Stevia. Interesting. Why is that? Because stevia is an incredibly bitter aftertaste plant. So if you aren't tasting the bitter aftertaste, they have processed that stevia down to a rebe so much that you aren't even really getting the benefits of stevia, and they haven't tested for food safety uh, stevia, the, the rebe version of, of uh, stevia. That stevia is so heavily processed, and we've messed with stevia so many times. If it says organic stevia, that's totally fine, but expect a really mm. bitter aftertaste. Right, yes. So, and there is so many, like uh, I go here to the supermarket uh, where I live, and there is so many different brands for stevia, actually. And most of them, it's not really good for you. No. In my personal yeah. opinion, I think you really need to be focused only on an organic stevia if you're going to put it into your body and then there's a lot of interesting stuff out there about stevia and its effect on hormones uh that you can start googling stevia and hormones uh because again we could do a whole nother show on it but the only time i ever use stevia is an organic stevia in my coffee because coffee's already bitter uh, so mm. it'll sweeten it up and you don't have to worry about the bitter aftertaste because coffee already has a bitter taste so yeah have you heard have you heard of yakun syrup uh, yes, I have heard of it. I have not used it as yes. a okay. sweetener, except for I've tried it in baked goods. Um, yeah. but I'm not honestly familiar with, uh, it's glycemic index or load. I think a lot of the healthy natural paleo sweeteners are fantastic. Um, but you have just too much sugar in so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Raw. So what else? So what else on, on this protein shake here uh, that we should be looking? So, we saw the protein content, right, coming from the right source. You, you're saying like a, if it's whey protein, it has to come from a grass-fed cow. If it's a vegan, we should be looking into things like hemp, not soy. Then we also have to look into the sugar content, if they, they are using sugar or they are using replacements, the right ones that you just mentioned here, so people can read again, uh, listen to this again and get the ones that Kyle mentioned. What else we should be looking here? So the sugar content, you're going to want under 10 grams of sugar. In most cases, you're going to want under 5 grams of sugar. We have 3 grams of sugar that's all naturally occurring from the whey and the colostrum that's in our shake. So the next thing that you're going to want to look for is, again, your point in having a protein shake is not just to get more protein. Your point in having a shake is to replace a meal and to make sure that you're getting in good quality nutrients. So so digestive enzymes, if there are no digestive enzymes added to that shake, 
it's not going to be a great call. You need the digestive enzymes to break up the protein, carbs, and fat and everything that you add to that shake. The next thing that you're going to want to look for is you need the fiber. The fiber is what nature uses as its safety mechanism to keep you from overeating. Most protein shakes, you drink them, and within one hour, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes five minutes, you're still hungry. And the reason you're mm -hmm. still hungry is because you don't have the fiber to keep you full and you don't have the fat to keep you satisfied. So really good amount of fiber, four, five, six, seven grams in a serving is fantastic. So we use plant-based fiber. And then the last mm -hmm. thing that you're going to want is you're going to want healthy fats. You're going to want a little bit of fat to keep you satiated and satisfied. Our shakes keep people full for about three or four hours, and we use coconut oil as our fat source. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and that, that's what you just said here. It is very important for people to realize, guys. If you are eating, let's say, a meal or like a protein shake like we're talking here, and if you're not, if you're not satisfied for three to five hours, there is something wrong there. That's how we really know if a meal is, is perfect for your body. It's like how you react after that. Do you have the energy and the, and the focus for three to five hours? Well, if you're not, there is something wrong. So let's see what you just hate to change and to make things happen to you. Kyle, thank you so much, man. So where can people find you and what's something that you're working on right now that you're pretty excited to share with us here? Oh, thank you. So um, the things that, uh, first off, where they can find me, if they're interested in the Shake Fit 365, the best thing you can do is go to www.fit.com. 365.com mm -hmm. and uh, definitely let me know that uh, Bruno sent you over and then the other thing that you can do uh, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about what we do uh, I've got the website coachkylebrown.com and we the cool thing that I'm doing that's a little unique that we just launched is we have a program for females online called Fierce Sexy Empowered and it's fitness, nutrition, mindset. We've got a 21-day challenge online that we just launched at FearSexyEmpowered.com. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for being here with us today. I learned a lot from you, as always. And I hope to see you soon, well, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.BrazilianHealthNut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.